Hey everybody, welcome to Unredacted Town Hall VIP Pat. I'm, uh, I, I, I'm completely babbling right now because this is one of those few times here on Unredacted, the Kurt Schlicker Town Hall VIP podcast, that I am, uh, I am bereft of words because I am sitting out back in the jungle that is Houston. You can hear the cicadas uh, cicadaing and... Uh, you know, there's clouds, and I mean, I'm in Houston, Texas. I'm here with my in-laws. A little later, we're going to be talking to my father-in-law, Edmundo Mundi Alvarez, uh, about uh, Cuba, because he came from Cuba. And since Cuba's in the news, why don't we get some stuff from the source? But first, I want to talk a little about COVID. And here's what I want to say. I want to give you my advice, my take on the vaccine. Because as you know, it's important that other people tell you what to do, according to liberals and other liberals. Uh, and to Jonah Goldberg, who is the pride of Goucher College. Goucher College. So we're just going to throw that out there. Okay, here is my advice. And I'm leveraging the full benefit of my communications and political science degree, my degree in strategic studies, and my degree uh, uh, in law from a law school that is accredited. Uh, and you should take it for what it's worth. And it is worth absolutely nothing. Here is my advice, my medical advice, about the COVID vaccine in you. Don't listen to my advice. There's my advice. If I'm going to give you any guidance of any kind, it is you decide based on your situation. What is your situation? Well, there may be a medical situation. You may have a medical condition that says, don't you dare take it. You have a, may, may have a medical condition that says, yeah, it is to your benefit to take it. Look at the evidence that's believable. Don't listen to the damn commies. Look at what look at what's really happening. Yes, there are side effects with a certain number of people. It appears to be very, very small. With 161 million people taking the vaccine, a, a you know, several thousand had bad reactions. That's not unexpected. That's what happens. You've got to throw that into the mix because you could be that person. That could be very bad. You could also most likely not be that person. You should also listen to one other thing, and that's your gut. And your preference, your gut instinct. You know, God created us, right? With an instinct. You look at a situation, you go, that's bad. I'm not going to have anything to do with that. You know, sometimes you get a feeling in your gut, yeah, I don't want to do it. Maybe you listen to that. Maybe you don't. I don't know. It's up to you. Also, some liberals are saying, oh, but they're just not taking the vaccine to own the libs. That's fine. Making a powerful political statement is, I, I was informed that's important. How is it worse, you not taking a vaccine, than uh, uh, going and knocking over someone else's statue? Why is one okay and one not? Of course, we all know the answer. Anything you do as a conservative is wrong. Um, I guess what I'm saying is, you know your situation better than anyone else. You have all the information. You have all the facts. You know the people around you. You know your own medical condition. Frankly, you know your own preferences. You want to get it? Maybe you don't. Maybe you're really, really scared of the, uh, the, 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 the COVID for some reason. Maybe you're not scared at all. Uh, I got the vaccine. Or why, why would you do that? For exactly the reasons I told you. I looked at my entire, you know, the entire spectrum of facts bearing on, including people who are around me, some of them who are immunocompromised. I, I looked at my preferences. What am I going to do? Do I, do, do I tend to be for or against uh, uh, taking vaccines as a matter of practice? I tend to be for it. I've taken about 500 of them because I was in the army. And not only was I in the army, I did nuclear, chemical, biological warfare. So I'm pretty much immune to everything. Uh, I did look at the fact that I had had COVID and that was important. And I talked about that with conservative doctors, not commie pinko doctors, not ones I didn't trust, ones I did trust, ones who heard me out, 
and we talked through the issues, and eventually I decided to take it. And, uh, you know, uh, uh, the rest of my family, if they want to tell you if they decide to take it or not, they can do that. Uh, it's none of my, I guess it is my business as far as minor kids, but it's none of yours. The bottom line is I made my own decision. I don't regret it. I don't expect anybody to come back and hurt you. did something stupid. How the hell do you know? Nor will I tell you if you say, Kurt, I decided not to take it. I'll be, oh, okay. And the reasons are, I'll be, stop. You don't have to justify it. So maybe you want to tell me because you think it's an interesting, fun fact that will edify me. I'm willing to hear it. I'm, I don't know if I'm not hugely curious, but I'd be polite and listen. But you don't have to justify it to me, nor do I have to justify it to you. That's what's called freedom, and that's something I like being a part of. I enjoy being a part of a country where we make basic decisions for ourselves. Now, I had some liberal out there uh, on Twitter today. Uh, first of all, she's citing. First of all, she cites statistics. You Republicans aren't taking the vaccine. Her statistic ends like December 2020. Okay, so it's a bad statistic. And then when I pointed out your statistics are well overcome by events, she began saying, "Well, we all know." All right, I'm no statistician. Okay, I'm not a sciencey guy, and I got my lowest grades in college in math, probably because I was drinking Coors all the time. Um, but uh, 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 scientists say it's not a statistic. That is cliche. That is a representation. That is an appeal to expertise where you don't even, you don't even uh, point out the expert. Now, I like experts. I hire experts all the time as a lawyer. That's one of the things I do. I am well aware, though, that the other side also will hire an expert in every single case who will say exactly the opposite of my expert's testimony. So when you tell me the experts say, I'm like, there is always an expert on the other side. It's not what the expert says. It's the value of his opinion based on the facts and evidence that he bases it on and the rigor of his analysis. And that's how I attack it. You know, Mr. Uh, you know, uh, Dr. Jones, uh, in fact, in coming to your opinion, you uh, looked at this study, correct? Yes. Well, this guy, that study was withdrawn by the uh, medical journal and printed it. It was withdrawn because they couldn't support it. Are you aware of that? Does that change your opinion? Or, Ms. Dr. Jones, did you look at study Y? Well, no, I didn't. Well, study Y was 15,000 people. It was in the Journal of Important Medical Stuff. Uh, don't you think you should have looked at it? Dr. Jones, if I told you that study uh, provides uh, uh, evidence... Uh, for an opinion contrary to yours, would that change your opinion in any way? That's kind of how you, you know, world's worst cross-examination, but that's kind of how you do it. Uh, so there are experts on all sides. Look, you got to make a decision for yourself. And I've been telling, you know, I'm telling these liberals this, right? And they're saying, well, you know, you're, you're putting other people in danger. No, you're putting yourself in danger. If you haven't taken, if you're in danger because you haven't taken the vaccine, that's kind of your choice. If you're in danger, saying, I'm in danger, even though I took the vaccine, aren't you really saying the vaccine doesn't work that well, so it doesn't really matter? I'm not sure what your argument is there. It doesn't make sense. What it does is tell me that your entire point of view is, your entire motivation is to tell other people what to do. And uh, I got to let you know something. I'm not good at having people tell me what to do. I was good in the Army because I accepted it. It's a hierarchical organization. I took an oath. I understood what I was doing it voluntarily chose to submit myself to that rigor. I don't as a citizen. I will do what I damn well please all the time. And in my private life, I always do what I damn well please all the time. I like to think that I'm mature and smart enough to consult wise people, primarily among them my beautiful wife, who is 
sitting over there ignoring me at the moment uh, and laughing at me. But uh, she's going, yeah, yeah, you listen. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> she's really laughing. Um, but, you, but look, that's what citizens do, and that's what you ought to do. If you think taking a vaccine is right for you, go take it by all means. If you don't, don't. If you want me to weigh in and give you advice, I will warn you, I probably have nothing to contribute, but I can tell you about my experience. I took the vaccine. Uh, I felt slightly tired uh, uh, both days after, and I had no other effects. And I don't believe I've had COVID since, but I, I kind of had, I, I don't know, I kind of didn't feel great one day, but I don't, I, I, don't know, I don't know if that was like a minor COVID or it's just one day I didn't feel great. I feel freaking... Uh, everything is COVID. I feel magnificent right now. I just went for a walk in the humidity. I'm here in Houston, like I said, and you basically have to swim through the atmosphere. That's, that's, I, and listen to Cicada. It's like a freaking jungle. I'm expecting Tarzan to cruise through. You know, it'd be so cool if my relatives like had a pet monkey because it's like the tropics. Oh, I love the tropics. That's the only thing I don't like about California. It does, it, it's not humid. It's very crisp. Oh, okay. All right. Don't tell people where we are. Deep gosh. Well, well, people show up going, sign my book, which, you, which I am going to do. If you want me to sign your book, uh, uh, send me an email and I'll tell you how I can do that. I'm getting a shipment of the split, which was 142 in all books on uh, Friday, July 30th. It's been down as no, low as 40. Actually, it was lower than that. But it was 142 on all of Amazon. And that was partly because I was... Uh, uh, I had a town hall article, which always knocks things up, and I, I posted for Hugh Hewitt, and I did an hour, really good in-depth hour with Seb Gorka. He's going, Pat, tell me about your childhood as a suburban San Mateo uh, How did that form you on the forge of the Bay Area liberals? I, 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 I do a terrible thing, but anyway. Uh, I want to move on now because there's a lot going on in Cuba, and... Uh, you know, this is very personal to my, my, me and my, my family because my family is largely from Cuba, at least on my wife's side. And uh, they left Cuba. They escaped from Cuba. Some of them spent years in prison in Cuba. Uh, so this is very personal to them. And I, I, I kind of want to give you guys a perspective. And I'm going uh, to ask some questions of my father-in-law, Ed Moody Alvarez who uh, uh, came over here, and uh, well, I'm going to let you tell a story. Ed, how are you? Doing? Very good. Okay. Okay. All right. He, he's, he, he, he does, he's, he's saying, Kurt, what the hell are we going to do? I don't think he fully understands the chaos that I live in, so we're, we're gonna try, I'm going to try and uh, uh, behave myself for a little bit. Uh, Ed, tell us a little about where you grew up in Cuba and what Cuba was like before uh, the Communist Revolution. Well, Kurt, I... Um... I lived in Havana, Cuba, in my 10, 11 year old tour. Gotta speak up. All right. I, I got a little monitor. Like I said, I was born in Cuba, Pinal del Rio, Cuba, to be exact. That's the extreme uh, west in the island. And then later on, we moved to Havana. Uh, was it, uh, was it, look, I, most Americans seem to know uh, pre Castro Cuba from The Godfather 2 where it was just a big party and it was very sunny and lots of mojitos, showgirls and stuff. Was that the Havana you lived in? Well, the Havana I lived in, as I recall it, it was a fun place to be. My father was in business. He was in the hardware business. 
and we enjoy we we not only enjoy uh, obviously the beach and all the things, and I'm sure that some of the tourists were enjoying the casinos, but uh, that was normal. That was just part of the routine in Cuba. Well, look, uh, I, having grown familiar with uh, uh, the Cubans and Cuban culture over the last 20 years, I, I, I don't think I knew anyone from Cuba before. Uh, I, I, I find it absolutely to be expected that a, a, a country full of Cubans is both going to be very prosperous and very fun. Does that kind of sum up pre-Castro Cuba? Yes. And if you look at any of the videos from the 1950s, you can see the, the turnaround that has been in Cuba. In Cuba, prior to, to Castro, had the largest sugar crop in the world, had uh, tourism, had uh, minerals, copper. So, and, and tourism, it was a pretty well-rounded uh, economy. Uh, one of the best in the Western Hemisphere at the time. That's prior to Castro. Once Castro took over, everything went south from economics to everything else. Well, pre-Castro, it was a, a, a dictator named Batista. He, he, it was not a, a traditionally free country. But how did, I mean, look, I've been in real dictatorships like Saudi Arabia and some others, and you can just kind of feel everyone scared all the time. Was that the feeling in pre-Castro Cuba? What, what did you think? What did you and your family uh, think of Batista? Well, Batista was, uh, like you said, a dictator. And unfortunately, at that time, my family was split. We had people in my side of the family that was with Batista. I agree with what he was doing. Yet there were others that weren't with Batista that got beaten up for their beliefs and their actions. So I was in the middle of both. So I can tell you during Batista's reign, my house had been raided because some of my uncles were uh, working underground. And while Fidel Castro was there, my house was raided because there were people that in my family working against Castro. So I experienced both sides of the aisle. Now, just out of curiosity, I'm probably jumping ahead here, but if Castro's communist revolution had been suppressed, if they had, you know, capped Castro, which sadly he didn't die at the end of a rope, uh, or like Che Guevara cowering before the Bolivians killed him with bullets, as for the only time in recorded history the CIA succeeded in anything. Um, if the communists hadn't come, do you think Cuba would be something like a democracy today? I think Cuba would have had a, the opportunity to be a democracy because there was a duly elected president before, months before Castro took over. So he had a good opportunity to do so because all the resources and all the people of Cuba. Now, I'm just speculating, but if, if the communists had been suppressed, and that's a lesson to you, throw the communists out the damn helicopter and you have a chance, folks. Don't let them get in. And I'm talking about those CRT bastards. Don't let them get into power. Um, if they had been suppressed, here, my, my thing is Cuba would practically be like Florida right now. I mean, it would be rich. It would be prosperous. People would be moving there instead of Texas. That's, that's kind of what I think. Cuba has always been a very nice place to live. There's always some turmoil like in, in many of the Latin countries. However, Cuba held its own. And even with, even with the dictatorship uh, at the time, Cuba was flourishing uh, rather well. 
Well, you know, obviously we can't undo the last 60-some years of uh, communist tyranny. Uh, hopefully at some point the 82nd Airborne Division will uh, undo it. I, I have always said I will not set foot in a, uh, uh, a, a Cuba unless it is free or unless I'm carrying a rifle with the U.S. Army. Uh, I, uh, we're jumping ahead a little bit, but I, I, I do not like overseas military adventures, despite having participated in several of them. Uh, but uh, I would support uh, the invasion of Cuba and the uh, hanging of every single communist uh, they could lay their hands on. Uh, in a heartbeat, but uh, you know, it's not my family that's there. It's it's not my my people who are there. It, it's your former people because you're an American citizen. Uh, we, we, what would you think about uh, uh, America? Americans intervening to free Cuba from communist tyranny, or do you think that the Cuban people need to do it for themselves? Well, it'd be best if the Cuban people could do it by themselves. But the unfortunate part is. The communists in Cuba control everything. Not only do they control the, all, the military, the police force, all the agencies, and they even control the food and the amount that you eat. Therefore, it'd be extremely difficult for the people of Cuba to be able to rebel and overthrow by power the communists. Therefore, they will need some extra help. Unless they just everybody goes out on the street and do for weeks at a time, uh, not do any work to make force the government to do something. But the government, the communists don't care. They don't care about you. All they care is about their philosophy and maintaining power. Just like the Democrats are trying to do. Uh, guys, if you didn't uh, realize it, my father-in-law is woke AF. All right, and President DeSantis, I just want you to know, if you, if you need a retired colonel to come back on active duty as a brigade commander uh, to, to, to go into Cuba, um, yeah, you, you got my number. That's all I can say. Okay, let's jump ahead. Uh, you, you left Cuba, and you did it in kind of an interesting way. Tell us a little about it. Okay, Kurt, what was the last comment? You, you left Cuba in an interesting way. Yes. I left in 1961, and the program I left uh, was called the Peter Pan, in which uh, children from uh, countries left on their own with other parents. Uh, the largest exodus of children, other than during the Holocaust, and uh, over 14,000 kids left in this way. And when one these kids arrived, arrived in the state, the Catholic welfare system placed them in different places around the country. And in my case, I ended up in an, or an orphanage, uh, a Catholic orphanage in Washington, Georgia, and later on into a uh, foster home of the Cuban family, and until my family finally arrived in the States in 1966. Okay, and then you ended up in Chicago. How did you end up in Chicago? I thought all Cubans were supposed to go to Miami. Well, um, since I lived in Georgia at the time that my parents arrived, we. Uh, my parents did move to Georgia. However, because there were some relatives, uncles, and other relatives that lived in the Chicago area, we did end up in, in, in Chicago. However, once my parents retired, they did move to Miami Beach. So, and I ended up being transferred to Texas uh, due to a job transfer. So we taken advantage of 
the situation here in Spring, Texas. Well, you're here in Dan Crenshaw's district. You got a CEO, of course, uh, uh, served our country. You served our country too. Tell us about it. Well, I was um, in the military, in the Illinois National Guard, for about 10 years. At one point, I thought I wanted to uh, uh, make it a, a, a life decision to be a member of the National Guard. But at the time, my wife did not appreciate the time that I was spending away from home. Yeah, I, I know that feeling. So uh, I, I, I did resign as a D6 at the time, even though at one point uh, I wanted to go to um, office of candidate school. But at the time, I wasn't yet a uh, U.S. citizen. So uh, I missed it by a few months. So I, I, I never did go to the uh, officer school. That was a disappointment. Oh. Well, look, uh, you did become an American citizen, and you're, you're a citizen by choice. Look, it was handed to me. I was born in Ohio, right? I just, I just got it. But you, you actually made a choice to become an American, and then you, you, you raised a family, built a, 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 a life. I mean, we're, we're in your very nice house right now here in beautiful Texas. Uh, what's it mean to be in a, choose to be an American citizen for people who like me, just had it handed to us. Well, I'll tell you what. As an American citizen, I'm very proud to live in this country. I'm very proud what this country has given me the opportunity to do. My family and so many other families, not only Cuban families, but family from all around the world. So uh, I'm the statue supporter of uh, legal immigration. Legal immigration and uh, uh, anything that could that would do to make this country better. Well, I think it's interesting. We're uh, uh, we're in your uh, neighborhood here in uh, Dan Crenshaw's district. Uh, it's a very conservative area. I was informed by all the smart people uh, that uh, you know this is a giant bastion of uh, racism, sexism, and transphobia. Uh, you're telling me about your, uh, uh, you know, your neighbors are Vietnamese immigrants across the way, Indian immigrants. Uh, it's a beautiful neighborhood. It's a very prosperous neighborhood. I mean, you guys are not doing bad. And uh, I, I think it's, uh, I think in that way, it's a very American neighborhood. What do you think? Well, it sure is like almost like United Nations. You mentioned Vietnamese, Indians. We have uh, some uh, Muslim nationality folks around here. I think they're from Iran. We have some Laotians, some Cambodians, so, and other Latin groups in the area. This area used to be, in the old days, part of the uh, compact uh, Apple world. So there was a lot of traffic of uh, foreigners that came through because of the uh, computer business. But it's a very conservative area. For the most part, except for the new guys that are coming from California, which I'm not sure they are conservative. See, now that's, see, that, Mooney, that's, that's a myth. Because the people leaving California tend to be the conservatives. I know. All our conservative friends are like beeping. And it's a pain. Anyway, thank you very much, Mooney. I really appreciate it. I think uh, we gave our people a uh, perspective that's rare. And, and, and it was probably a nice break for them not to hear me rambling like an idiot the entire uh, 25 minutes of Unredacted's Town Hall VIP podcast starring Kurt Schlichter. Um, I want you guys to go get The Split. The Split is a good book. I am proud of it. I'm writing the next one in my head at the moment. I've got one chapter out of 24 on paper. 
uh, Inferno. It's going to be lit, but you want to get the split. Split's selling. I think I got to 142 uh, yesterday. I've been down as low as 42, so it's, uh, it's selling, and it's all because of you guys. There's this giant appetite for conservative uh, uh, action adventure stuff out there, and I am going to fill that need. I want you to follow me on Twitter, at Kurt Schlichter. Read me every Monday, Wednesday, that's VIP only, and Thursday. Don't forget my stream of purchases video every Saturday. You obviously know about this, the uh, uh, Town Hall VIP unredacted podcast. You got that. I'm trying to think of anything else that's going down. Oh, yeah, go to my On Locals page because that's where all things Kurt are. If you want to link to my articles, you can go there. If you want to link to podcasts, I did like that hour with Orca, uh, it's there. So everything is there. It's your entire world of Kurt, the Schlichter Arena. Get it? Irena Arena. It's a pun, folks. It's a pun. I will be talking to you soon on the next Unredacted with Kurt Schlichter. Adios.